You are now entering the Brightness. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello, you're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Jason T. Gaffney, how are you this week? Stressed as fuck. That's what I hear. You've got a crazy, crazy week leading up to Election Day, right? Yeah, it is correct. Everyone, go vote. Go vote. We have uh, sandwiched our little recording session here into your crazy, crazy day. So thank you for taking the time for us. On behalf yeah. of uh, both of our listeners, I say thank you. <laughs> We're very grateful. Very, very grateful. So Please I know, I know you've got just a crazy amount of stuff to do, right? So what are yep. your days like right now? I wake up. I jump into the the virtual campaign office. I help answer questions to get the texts out to the voters with information on how to vote and how to vote early. Uh, We are encouraging everyone to vote early. So if your state still has early voting open by the time you hear this, please go vote early. The more votes we get in early, the less chance of uh, shenanigans and malarkey on Election Day. Absolutely. The vote count will be more accurate and more representative of the people. If you go now and there's a problem and you can't vote early today and then you could go back tomorrow and vote then you've gotten a chance to vote but if you go on election day and there's a problem and then you can't vote then you can't fix it right so now california i think is really way ahead of the curve and making sure everybody can vote we all got mailed absentee ballots there are ballot boxes everywhere and you can vote in person and you can vote early not every state uh, i'm looking at you red states has that kind of uh generosity toward getting the vote in so especially if you live somewhere which is not so friendly toward everybody especially people of color voting then please just make a plan and get it done because it might be harder for you than it is for us over here in california uh but your vote counts for more where you are so please just get it done yeah the sooner you vote the better and uh, i have voted by the way i went ahead and yeah i did it and dropped it in a ballot box i tracked it it has been received. Everything is good. Yay. Yay. So that's very, very good. Now I'm all I'm all over my husband because he just hasn't done it yet. What so what is he doing? He's just he just likes to play video games instead. So he will, don't all worry. Right. I'm, well, I'm on I it. think you should I'm on hide it. hide the video games until he's voted. I want to stay married. Okay. Let let look let me handle this. <laughs> I know my husband. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell Nick that I'm going to somehow hide his video games if he doesn't fucking vote now. Okay. <laughs> as soon as he listens to this, he'll know. <laughs> Better vote, Nick. You go vote. He, by, by the time he hears this, he will have voted. I promise you that. Good. 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 So I know that you've got a ton to do, and uh, I have a lot of television to watch today. So let's just get to it, okay? Let's do it. All right. Give me the bright spot. The bright spot this week is very, very personal to me, okay? Although I think it might have broader applications in the wider world because it's been a real game changer in my life, okay? You are a good friend of mine. You know how I feel about coffee. Sure. I mean, I love coffee. I have to have coffee, iced coffee every day, right? 
So during the pandemic, I really took to making my own cold brew coffee here at home. Got big mason jars and we do, I put the the grounds in and let it steep for a couple of days. Really simple to do cold brew coffee at home. So then I have my iced coffee every day just the way I like it. Now, the one downside about iced coffee for those who really, really love iced coffee is what? I don't know. I don't drink iced coffee. I know because you suck. But the the answer is... (laughs) The ice, okay? It's a completely necessary evil. Everywhere that ice and creamer is, is where coffee isn't. And that is a problem in iced coffee. You understand? Yeah. So here is the game changer. Are you ready for this? Okay. I started making ice with coffee. Wait. Coffee, ice cubes. That's right. I make the cold brew. I put it in a damn freezer tray ice cube tray and i put it in the freezer and then my ice cubes are coffee and when they melt it's just more coffee fucking game changer i mean it's it makes sense it does make sense i know exactly this is the thing about it for me and i hope this might have some broader applications because anybody who is a listener of ours who likes iced coffee i mean i can't tell you how much this has changed my daily hold on excuse me just a moment I don't know if you could hear that, but those were my coffee ice cubes gently melting into my coffee. Excuse me. Mm. What happens if you're out of coffee ice cubes, though? Are you willing to just have regular ice cubes? You make more. Look, there's an even number. Okay, if you really want to get technical, I don't know. I don't think this is going to be as useful to people. But if you really want to get technical, there are an even number of ice cubes in the tray, right? Because they're mirrored. So you use two, or if you just use an even number every time, then when you come to the end of the ice cube tray, you make another one, and tomorrow you've got more. Okay, Jason's very unimpressed by this, but that's okay, because he doesn't appreciate coffee. That's okay, (laughs) because the listeners who do are going to just, you're just, wait, I'm going to just, I'm just sitting back, and this will be the the bright spot that elicited the most response from anything we've ever, ever talked about, because I know iced coffee aficionados, okay? You don't, and that's okay. So... Have you? Can you tell I've had some coffee today already? I was gonna say you are you are on fire. <laughs> this is like nothing fires me up as much as even talking about iced coffee. Okay, so <laughs> I like want to bring you to like a coffee festival and see if you spontaneously combust. I mean, this was not my idea, but I stole it immediately the second I saw it. I'm like, this is absolutely my life now, absolutely. So. I think that others who appreciate coffee as much as I do, give that a try, especially if you've been making your own at home. One quick disclaimer, it will fuck up your ice cube tray. All right. It'll stain it. Oh. Undeniably. But that's fine. They're a dollar. So, you know, keep one for regular ice and one for your coffee ice and you're golden. I just never use ice. All right. Hey, you know what? A lot of times I do a bright spot thinking of you. A lot of times. Like a lot. (laughs) Okay, this one's just for me, and I don't care. No, it, it's a great I don't care spot. if you like it or not, okay? I don't care if you appreciate it. It has nothing to do with voting or gardening or nakedness, so this is just for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope all our coffee listeners have a delightful iced coffee-making experience. <laughs> they will if they just follow my rules of making your own damn iced coffee with your own damn iced coffee ice. Well, maybe next time you could like tweet a recipe for it. I don't know. A recipe? Put 
coffee in an ice cube tray. Ta-da! <laughs> but doesn't it need to be a specific what, cold what coffee it, or something? A hashtag chef's kiss, is that what the thing is? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it needs to be. Okay, all right, all right, if you want to get technical about it, 32 degrees or below. <laughs> Enjoy your fucking iced coffee. Like any standard freezer will do it, okay? <laughs> what if I have a super freezer? That should be fine as well. I mean, it's like or below really encompasses quite a bit. What if I have like a just not quite freezer freezer? Well, that wouldn't be or below. That would be above, wouldn't it? Yeah. That'd I think be like call that a fridge. That's yeah, that's a refrigerator and ice won't freeze and Don't why are we why are you drawing me into this? I'm not I'm not engaging with this. <laughs> Okay, I'm just sitting back and waiting for the mail to come in. Please, if do your like show. If you'd like to opt out, just say stop, <laughs> and I can opt you out <laughs> from receiving more messages. Oh, I don't want that to be all the mail we get. Can you <laughs> you um you tell me what your show is? That was I'm I'm done now. I'm gonna just sit and sip my iced coffee that I love. All right, are you ready for this? I am. I have iced coffee with coffee ice. I'm ready for anything. Happy Halloween. Oh, good. We have a Halloween theme. Good. Wait, stop. Don't flip that car. Okay. I promise. Get in that house. <laughs> Is it about the the great Halloween tornado of 1958? That's right. Great. We're we're going to talk about the history of the haunted house for Halloween. What? Okay. Yeah, there's a crazy history involving the haunted house. Like the genre of haunted houses, like going to a haunted house. Yeah, it's it's kind of the history of what started haunted houses. Oh, that's fun. Okay, fantastic. So Halloween in the late 1800s and early 1900s had become kind of a night for young folks to be mischievous and play pranks on people, right? It was very okay. like, we're going to be ghouls and goblins and shit. Mm-hmm. So... What I learned was actually haunted houses first showed up on a scene around the same time as trick-or-treating, if really? you can believe it. Okay. They're kind of hand-in-hand. Basically, during the Great Depression, young folks, boys, were running wild in the streets. They're like, you can't stop me. I'm a boy, and I'm going to break things. Right, but they hadn't didn't have a lot of food, so they were running wild was like kind of lethargic a little bit. Yeah, they they were starving, but mm-hmm. also... Peppy. Ravenous. Yeah. They had that great American spirit, but also yeah. quite quite the appetite. Um, so they were going crazy with all these pranks, right? Okay. Pranking on Halloween had long been a thing. In fact, in Victorian America, the first kind of pranking would start with ding-dong ditch. Oh. They kind of ring the doorbell and then disappear, and then someone okay. opens the door and like, hello? And they're like, not there, and it's like, hee-hee. And the person's <laughs> like, I hate you, you fucking ragamuffins. You, you so-and-sos. I shall never patronize your father's establishment again, young man. Wait until your mother gets a telegram about this. (laughs) Your mother will hear from me in three days when the horse arrives. (laughs) So another thing that got added around the same time was they would scare people by blowing flour in their face. They'd like run up to people and blow flour in their face and be like, boo. Still a classic. It's a classic. Well, I'm just like, so you blind people, basically, sure. with flour. Yeah, but, you know, hey, consider that they didn't have a lot to go around at the time, so that's a practical joke that takes a toll, even on the Joker. I'm just saying, save your flour, make some bread. I mean, it's the Great Depression. That's not a bad advice. Yeah. Then people started stealing their neighbors' gates and fences. 
Oh, and doing what with them? Just taking them and being like, Happy Halloween! Okay. I mean, <laughs> then you have a fence you don't need. You don't know that. You don't know their life. <laughs> you should have seen their face when I took their fence. That's now not, I've got a fence. Now I have a, I needed a fence. They had a fence. That's not a prank, Jason. That's theft. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, the person's like, wait till next Halloween when I take my fence back. <laughs> but it's like the, the Halloween's not like the purge. It's the one day where you can just get away with burglary for free. Apparently it was. Okay, fine. And then so, it escalated as, to murder over time, sure. Well, as time went on, the pranks would take a darker tone. Oh, shit, okay. In fact, in 1879, in Kentucky, a small army of boys, 200 strong, would place a fake dead body across railroad tracks, which would cause a train to make an emergency stop. No. So they delayed the train, they caused a whole uproar. Oh, my God. And they're like, it's Halloween, bitch. Wow. Fake dead body. I love that it took 200 boys to think of that one idea. <laughs> this is rural Kentucky. <laughs> we are 200 strong. Together, we can place one fake dead body on the tracks. It's a terrible sequel. Terrible. <laughs> So, all right, and that's not all. Quote from history.com, quote, In 1900, medical students at the University of Michigan stole a headless corpse from the anatomy lab and propped it up against the building's front doors. Oh, that's just funny. That's just a good time. I mean, I hope my body doesn't get used for that type of prank. Hey, it's for science, okay? It's for science. I'm not sure it's for they science. They were studying how people reacted. It was psychology students were seeing how people reacted to abject terror. This person shows up. What is, what's a, blah, calm down, Mr. Merkel. It's just a joke. Blah, the dead body. Can you imagine though, walking up and you're like, oh, it's funny. It's a headless, it's a headless man. And then you look kind of at the neck hole and you're like, this is, <laughs> would be, that would be horrifying. This is why I don't go to haunted houses, because it's a perfect place to dump a dead body. Mm. For real. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect You don't place know what's to... real or not. You don't know. Things just kept getting worse and worse on Halloween, to the point where people were beginning to fear for their lives. Okay. You're hating on Halloween a lot, and I think you like Halloween, so I'm wondering what your motivations are. I love Halloween. I'm, d- I'm giving you the history. It's history. <laughs> it's history. We can't, just, <laughs> we can't just pretend it was something it wasn't. It's history. Quote from the ChicagoTribune.com, quote, The Tribune in 1901 ran an editorial complaining that violent tricks had become the rule. There is no reason men should be beaten and women insulted simply because the next day is the 1st of November. No, they should definitely be insulted and beaten because of their political views. In 1906, the Tribune reported that on Halloween night, a Slavonian fired five shots at boys who were stoning his house. What is a Slavonian? Oh, it's got to be Slovenia? It says Slavonian. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of that. I've heard of Slavonians. Really? Yeah. Whoa. A Slavonian fired five shots at boys who were stoning his house. I mean, stand your ground. (laughs) No. (laughs) Then the holiday gets seriously ugly. Oh. In 1924, two Chicago police officers were killed after trick-or-treaters left obstructions in front of their motorcycle. Oh. In Riverside, revelers cut the town's power. So, like, 
it's just getting worse and worse and worse, These right? Halloween pranks are really getting out of hand, right? Yeah. So people. So okay, we have a body count, people. We have a body count. Yeah. That. That. Happy Halloween. Yay! No, What's... very bad. So as things progressed, it would get worse and worse, right? So people were cutting tires on cars in 1921. Okay. I'm still thinking that might be a scorned boyfriend or something. They're like, how dare you find another lover? On Halloween of all days. Yeah. People set fire to shops in uh, both 1922 and 1923. So it was, it went so well in 1922 that in 1923, they're like, let's do it again. Hey, you know what day it is. <laughs> it set fire to a shop day. That's Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Last year we did it. And I knew it was a holiday. Of some, I just, i sorry. Sorry, I just figured. In 1925, police would open fire at kids. Okay. So. Okay, what for? They didn't say. It just said that they would open fire. They were being brats. It was on the books then. It was statutory. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So it wasn't until about 1933 where the boys would go too far. The boys of the nation. Okay. They've fucked up trains. They have killed police. They have set fire to shops. But here, they're going too far. Can't wait to find out what this means. The boys of the nation would flip hundreds of cars over. What? And would saw off telephone poles all over the place. What? What year is this? 1933. Holy fuck. So what I just want to point out, though, is like, do you know how fucking long it takes to saw through a goddamn telephone pole? A long time, which is why you flip some cars first and get the police distracted over there. <laughs> no, I was thinking more in the sense of, like, they don't have electric saws. Like, this is... No, they don't. But they are 200 strong. <laughs> you know what, though? I bet it was a lot faster in the Pacific Northwest to do this than in, like, New York. Because they have the practice. Because they have what? The practice. It's a logging community. Oh, well, yeah, I don't they think They call Portland of... Stumptown, you know. Do they? Yeah, because of the logging. Oh. Yeah. Well, I like that. Okay, well, there you go. So I'm just saying that it probably way more telephone poles went down in Washington and Oregon than, like, anywhere else. It's it's plausible. I think this was more on the East Coast. Could uh, more people Per, per were capita, then. Per capita, then. <laughs> <laughs> quote from history.com quote people began to refer to that year's holiday as black halloween similarly to the way they referred to the stock market crash four years earlier as black tuesday okay wow i do not support the idea of calling the really awful occasion the black one but okay it was a different time a different time yeah now as most things in america there were people who wanted to ban halloween outright right so like there's always going to be a select group of people who are like, I hate it all the way, so remove it from our life. Sure, this is just after Prohibition and they had to stop something. Right. But most common sense thinking Americans were like, we cannot ban Halloween. The boys have been doing shit for years. Right. You think it's bad now. Just yeah. <laughs> see what happens they... when we tell them they have to stay in that day. Oh, yeah. They'll just do it the day before. Like Sure. They'll still do it that night. They'll just, you know, I mean, it'll be worse because they won't have any candy to distract them. Right. So the boys cannot be contained and it'll just piss them off. And then they're going to be actual criminals as opposed Mm -hmm. to just like vagrants and Mm -hmm. varmints. Sure. And all that. Scalawags. (laughs) 
ragamuffins. Mm-hmm. So they decided to make trick-or-treating a real big thing and haunted houses. The parents of the nation were like, we need to give them something to do. I see. Lisa Morton, a historian who wrote the book Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, would be quoted telling SmithsonianMag.com haunted houses, quote, came in about the same time as Trick or Treat did. Cities looked for ways to buy these kids off, essentially. <laughs> oh, God. That's uh, it's so sad that we're kowtowing to these little criminals. But, you know, what's the option? So it started with the parents getting deeply involved in making the haunted houses, right? The parents are like, let's do this. The idea was take the boys from house to house to scare them so that they're so exhausted they can't cut down a telephone pole or flip a car. Mm -hmm. They've screamed out all of their rage and energy and testosterone. Yeah, they've, they've just been scared to being the fuck quiet. Right. Got it. So most of the first haunted houses were basic. Okay. You know. Sure. Just a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Cable knit sweaters. <laughs> in fact, they were so basic that in 1937, a party pamphlet would go out describing ways to make their haunted houses scarier. Oh, okay. Quote from SmithsonianMag.com. Quote, an outside entrance leads to a rendezvous with ghosts and witches in the cellar or attic. Hang Ooh. old strips of raw liver on walls where one feels his way to dark steps. Oh. Weird moans and howls come from dark corners. Damp sponges and hairnets hung from the ceiling touch his face. Oh, yeah. Doorways are blockaded so that guests must crawl through a long, dark tunnel. At the end, he hears a plaintive meow and sees a black cardboard cat outlined in luminous paint. Oh, my God. All right. Which apparently that... is scary. Luminous paint, scary. Totally. Especially, yeah, well, it was the 1930s. That seemed like magic. And it's a cat. That's not a cat. It's a cat, but it's also stationary and it's also glowing. And I don't know what to do with myself. And I think a piece of liver touched my face. That's freaky. All right. Yeah. It's not pandemic friendly. No. Very freaky. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff in this where I'm like, oh, yeah, that would that would fuck me up. But then there's other stuff where I'm like, who says meow? Is it a person just going meow? Because then I feel like we're in a different haunted house, and I'm no. Not... I feel like that's really scarier. If you see, if you see a little black cat cut out, and then what you hear is meow, and then like George Takei shows up from the side. That would be the haunted house I would go to. Because then I get yeah. to hang out with George Takei. That's true, actually. Oh my. Yes. So, when did haunted houses really take off, though? Um, 1943. No, but I can tell oh, well. you, in 1969, Walt oh, Disney would, I should have thought of that. would build Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Okay, 69 is my answer for everything else. Why didn't I answer it for this? God damn it. I know. It's shocking. Mm -hmm. Because it was so amazing, the Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, people around the nation would up their game and haunted houses would become crazy popular. And it is. And you know, I, I know you're a Disney fan, as am I. The uh, Haunted Mansion, for those who might not know, is a popular place for people to go and spread the ashes of their loved ones <sighs> on the grounds of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. They have to literally close the ride and bring people with hazmat suits to clean it. Right, so don't do that, but people do. Isn't that crazy, though? Like, I understand the idea behind it and the thought process, but people are like, my final resting place is this Haunted Mansion in a theme park. Bitch, it was built. 
It was not. It's not a real haunted mansion. It is an attraction. I don't understand the thinking behind that because I would think that would be like the least peaceful place that you could imagine your family coming to think about you. I'd rather have people take my ashes and scare people by blowing it in their faces and strangers' faces, being like, "Boo!" Well, that's a you know, person. You save your flower that way. It's true. I, <laughs> here's the thing. Take my ashes and put me in a fucking forest somewhere. Let me grow trees and make the world a better place. But, you know, whatever. Sure. Or be used as a prank. One of those two things. <laughs> I want to be buried where they put me in a boat and they send me out and then they shoot flaming arrows onto me. Mm-hmm. You want the full Valhalla send-off. Yeah. Sure. Not me. I want I want to be embalmed and I want to be at my funeral propped up, like, watching the party. Like, those fucking, cra- you know, I want to be at my party. Watching everybody have a weird time. I think that I'm going to bring horse blinders so that I don't see that. Mm. I'm also making the assumption that I'm going to outlive you. Well, I mean, actuarily, it's probable. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what's going to happen in this planet. We don't, because if you make one more old joke about me, I will kill you. So then (laughs) no one would have predicted that. Except for all the evidence and lawyers and police listening to this. <laughs> Please, I'll do it smart. Haven't you listened to any of those murder podcasts? Up your of game. course I have. I'm old. I listen to true crime all the time. <laughs> well, as I said, haunted houses would become crazy popular, right? Sure, okay. Before long, Knott's Berry Farm would start their haunted-themed scary house night thing that they started doing, right. which would spread to kind of Universal, and it's kind of spread to theme parks around the nation where... Well, you know what Knott's Berry Farm calls it, too. Not Scary Farm. Which is a terrible name, because it just sounds like Not Scary Farm. Yep. So, okay, we can agree on that. But it's super fun. It's not we, super... Well, it's super you've fun You've never been. You. You've I've, never been. I've been in my heart... And I know that it's a traumatic experience and there's not enough therapy to help me. You've been in your heart. You've got the Jimmy Carter, I've lusted in my heart kind of of scenario here. You've you you know all haunted houses and haunted like areas because you've been there in your heart. Yeah. Now here's the thing. I wanna go on the record saying that I respect haunted houses and all of the stuff that they do for the world. And mm-hmm. the fact that they scare people and people want to be scared and all that. Mm-hmm. So I can get behind that 100%. I just want to go on the record saying that haunted houses are not for me. Okay. But I do appreciate them. And we respect your position too. Well, and I want to bring it up because I'm now going to bring up another group of people who are not thrilled about haunted houses. And oh. I do not align with their views because the thing that they have chosen to make instead of haunted houses is <gasps> worse. I think I know what this is. Okay, please. In 1972, evangelical Christians would make a thing called an anti-Halloween attraction. Yes. Or it would be called a hell house. Yes. (laughs) Quote from Wiki, quote, Some Christian churches run these, which, while being haunted houses, also promote their interpretation of the Christian gospel message. Mm -hmm. According to USA Today, in hell houses, participants walk through several scenes depicting the consequences of things like abortion, homosexuality, and drunkenness. Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. that, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that drunkenness was considered the same terribleness as the other two. Yeah, no, drunkenness is terrible, homosexuality... Abortion, definitely worse, but drunkenness, still bad. Because you know why? It leads to homosexuality and abortion. Obviously. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) I mean, I started with drinking. 
And look at me now. <laughs> Gayest thing ever. That's right. I'm a homosexual abortion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing, though. They basically were like, we're going to scare people out of going to haunted houses with our hell houses. I th- I love the hypocrisy of that. It's like, you haunted houses are, are terrible, and, are the, and they're of the devil. So come to our haunted house, which is of Christ, somehow. Right. It's the exact same scary bullshit thing designed yeah. to terrify you, and it's, it is a haunted house. But it's it's fine because we're telling you what not to do. I think the idea behind it was more like we don't want people to go to haunted houses and then think that the devil is okay mm-hmm. or make light of it. So we're going to mm-hmm. do our – but we know people are going to go. So better to make our own where it's like a safe haunted house. Well, exactly. That's my point. That's my point is like people don't go to haunted houses to celebrate Satan. That's not what you're doing. You're going to get scared. Therefore, this hell house is the same exact fucking thing, you know, but it does have an agenda. Like haunted houses don't have an agenda to get you to worship fucking Satan. Okay. But these hell houses do have an agenda to get you to worship Christ by somehow scaring you straight or something. I don't know. Like scared straight does not work. Let me just tell you. I will tell you that even though these uh, hell houses exist, they have not stopped the haunted house industry. Well, that's I'm glad because hell houses are stupid. <laughs> In fact, um, there's a haunted house association, which is a oh. trade group for haunted house operators. I like the idea, though, of it's like a homeowners association, but it's like, I'm sorry, you need to have seven bats. Six is yeah. not enough. <laughs> You have to pay your yearly dues. <laughs> That's so terrible. It was I terrible. It. I apologize. No, don't apologize for being perfect. So this Haunted House Association. It was brought about and put into effect after a fire in a haunted house in New Jersey would kill eight teenagers. Holy So fuck. basically this Haunted House Association started so that people wouldn't be scared off from going because they're now like, our haunted house is a part of this association, which means that we take care to make sure it's safe and blah, 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 blah. This year, new and improved, we won't actually kill you. Yes. So the professional haunted house industry is worth about $300 million a year. Okay. Which for like a month of work, really good. Yeah. A month of operation, probably a lot more work. Yeah, I mean, once I know for places like Universal and stuff that they have a lot of these costumes kind of on standby and they do repeat mazes and things so they will do new ones which means there is more work involved but you know if you think about it they're netting a profit of 300 million a year oh for sure no no i'm not i'm not second guessing yeah no it's a big industry for how seasonal it is for sure yeah so haunted houses have continued to evolve where people can enjoy a pleasant scary hayride like you that you mentioned earlier sure did um, even they, in pandemic times they yeah. continue to involve evolve or you can get immersed in an experience where zombies will actually chase you through the mud actual mud yep oh, yeah. i don't know if they're doing many of those this year because pandemic sure in the future when vaccines are out and people are behaving more responsibly and wearing their fucking masks wear your mask then hmm. the pandemic will be curbed and then more of these things will be able to open again and, uh, we certainly hope so, yes. Yeah. So, what is the bright side? The uh, uh, the bright side is the dawn at the, the end of a long night of terror. That is the bright side. There will always be a dawn. 
that is a bright side for sure. As long as our sun remains operational, there will always be a dawn. Yes. So, you know, for the next, I mean, until November 3rd, at least. (laughs) (laughs) For me, anyway, first, there is an industry, and they are doing their best to keep everyone safe. Mm -hmm. We came from a kind of bumpy path. We can't say nobody died this time. People died. But it seems like this industry has become a mega industry in which people really care to keep people safe. Yeah, it's it's an entertainment zone, and, you know, nobody wants to hurt you actually because you know your money is too valuable to them and nobody nobody wants to you know actually get hurt Um, i think that that is a good bright side because it's it's kind of way up our alley which is like a bad thing happened and the industry or people reacted to it saying you know this is something people love and we want to keep it how do we make it safe how do we make it enjoyable and how do we standardize kind of the experience you know because there's i mean based on creativity there's just an there's no end to what can, you can do in those kinds of things. But there are parameters. You know, right. you're not allowed to be touched. A lot of, you know, you can't actually get hurt, you know. You I can know, get terrified. Yeah, and I do know that for, like, the extreme people who love extreme haunted houses, there is a thing out there where you can do, like, a haunted house where, like, they will touch you and hurt you. Right, and things. right. That's, like, the extreme version, and you have to fill out all these waivers. Yeah, and get totally. You, permission you have and, to opt into that. Yeah, you know, which is fine. I mean, that's that's a that's a personal choice a person has made. Sure. And that seems okay to me. I mean, it's not something I want to do. I definitely am good with the ones where I don't get touched. Right. You know. I also think it keeps wild kids calm on a crazy night. You know, like it's... Probably does. By having these activities, young folks who are hormone ragey and could easily get influenced to do stupid stuff, Right. are less likely to do stupid stuff if they're exhausted or if they go do something that's contained in, in a more controlled environment. They get to feel yeah. like they did something stupid and crazy. Right. You think your kids are brats now. Just imagine if they didn't have any kind of outlet on Halloween. Right. right. I mean, I think that there's there's multiple large industries built around just keeping your kids distracted. Right. <laughs> so this is one. So, yeah. So... I, I just thought, found it interesting that the haunted house, like, it was basically a nationwide thing that was like, we need to fix Halloween. It's broken. I, that is kind of wonderful. I love that the haunted, the, the whole thing kind of is a bright side. The haunted house is a more wholesome reaction to things spiraling a little out of control, right? So I guess there's a way in which you could see it as corralling people, but it's not, I mean, it's people go to them willingly so you want that outlet this is a way you can do it without you know causing property damage and like killing people so that's good i think in the whole if it if it's it's probably like haunted houses have probably saved lives honestly if we look at it like before haunted houses people were doing pranks to the extent that people were dying and not that pranks don't happen anymore but you know imagine the number of people who would have had that kind of outlet instead of, and, but instead they go to a haunted house with their friends or they go to not scary farm or they do universal or whatever. Right. Um, and sort of get that out of their system to an extent. Uh, well, thank you for this. I hope you have a wonderful Halloween. I guess I won't see you until after, by the way, uh, next week we will not be having a full episode because Jason will be just too busy with election stuff. So just yes. get out there and vote. And don't expect us next week, but we'll see you next time. Hopefully when we have a new president. Yes. 
So happy Halloween, everybody, and thanks for joining us. Get lots of treats and very few tricks. Unless they're, you know, unless the tricks have been uh, tested negative for COVID. Then just have fun. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. The safe word is meow. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at BrightsideKandJ, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look look on on the the bright bright side. side.